know, just the great thing about the snow, it doesn't matter how old you are. You see little kids and they've got their mouths open catching snowflakes on their tongue and oh. I mean, grandmas, grandpas picking snowballs at each other. It's just awesome. It doesn't matter where they are, the market's fishing in the car, they're dialing up Australia on a Sunday morning. I start my week with Mac. Me too. On a Sunday morning. Where else would you be? 1300 700 222. That was Trish in the snow. I've got to get to the snow. My recollection is having lovely donuts, hot donuts and coffee. And the snow was sprinkling down with me and the little one. David Tarangawa says, Macca, last evening, just as the sun was setting, I was standing on the Nuggety Ranges. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. I walked the new access track, cut across the steep face of the Nuggety Mine. The rain came in and all the country before me, down the valley into the north, was lit by the rays of the dying sun. This bloke should be, well, he probably is, a writer. The rain, like a lace curtain, was drawn before me, each drop large and lit gold, and as I stood drinking in the scene, drenched and drunk on the smell of fresh rain on earth, I marvelled, gold beneath my feet, and liquid gold all around. Sometimes life's so good, Macca. David from Tarangard. David, that's just, that's our pick letter of the of the moment at the moment. Libby says, I too love my plastic bags. I reuse them all and it seems ludicrous that I will now have to buy a different kind of plastic bag to put my rubbish in. Sanctimonious silliness in my book, says Libby, Libby Woodhams. But I wear glasses made by a Sydney company, Dresden, that makes them out of plastic bottle tops. The company used to make plastic components for cars, but now we don't make cars. They were about to go out of business. I can't remember if it was an outside person or a company one, but now make glasses frames. Very light, great colours, and a great buy at 45 bucks. All my very best, says Libby. And you were great company this morning as I was painting tablecloths. Wow. <laughs> Libby, tell me more. That was painting tablecloths. That's what I used to do when I was four years old, Libby, but in a different way. There's paint everywhere. Judy says, Judy McDonald says, um, Hi, Magrin team. I wrote to you a few months back while in Tasmania asking for a song info on technology, which I've heard in your show and tried to find online. I couldn't. You played it for me a few days later and gave me the benefit of your info on the CD set, Magus Top 100. I bought this for my husband for his birthday, knowing I would benefit too, and we've now been driving in Central Australia powered by this music. I've enjoyed technology numerous times, along with other songs we've discovered and love as well. Thanks for the entertainment, says Judy McDonald. Thank you, Judy. And on the same theme, really, this is from Ansgar. Ansgar says, he was after a song I play, but he says, love the show, by the way, it's such a beautiful concept that people from all walks of life can just call in and have a bit of a yarn and whatever concerns them in that particular moment. And after a few minutes, everyone carries on again with their lives. We're gradually losing that. In Sydney, Melbourne, big capitals, most people I see are just totally glued to their phone and hardly anyone talks to anyone. It's a shame. You always learn something from sharing with and listening to others. The things people call in with on your show never stop to amaze me and sometimes it's the most ordinary things that hold great depths. I will call in myself one day for a chat. G'day, this is Macca. Hi, Macca. Hi, it's Peter here. I'm ringing from... Uh, three mile down, just had a, a four drive go past. The stars here in uh, brilliant, blazing bright with the Magellanic clouds. And yeah, Russell from Canberra is probably 
Uh, looking at him out of the laundry now. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, three mile, that's near where? Three Mile Dam in... Oh, yeah, just near Mount Selwyn, Ian. Uh, good snow, natural snow here, probably 30, 40 centimetres. And what are you doing there, Pete? Uh, I'm going for a snowshoe to Four Mile Hut today. Oh, I see. There and, you go. And uh, up to maybe Elaine Mine. It's a really beautiful spot that's uh, survived the fires. Love and, to see um, that. It's something about winter... Beautiful. As I said uh, once the other day, I think it's the winter, it's the air, it's uh, colder oh, and the refractive yeah. index is different and so things look even brighter and clearer, especially look the night sky. Yeah. Oh, it sure does. Today, well, Ian, I was here at three o'clock in the morning, it was like almost daylight and that's after the moon was very low with, next to Jupiter as I was coming in and yeah, the brightness is incredible. I haven't used a torch at all. And, and uh, absolutely not a cloud in the sky. Just a slight bit of mist was at Kyandra coming in around Yukimi River. And currently I can see Orion rising and Taurus and Pleiades to the east and just getting some light in the sky. Now, Pete, you can drive there to Three Mile Dam, can't you? Yes, all the roads were clear. A lot of frost on Sawyer's Hill, Connors Hill, where the shady points where no sun gets to, but very clear roads you could... Any vehicle will get through, yeah, it's all been cleared nicely. And, uh, Pete, where are you from? Canberra. Oh, uh-huh, and you're out, the, you're going to, sorry? Uh, I, I drove up uh, just after midnight, the back roads, and um, beautiful wallabies, um, wombats around everywhere, and um, everything was glistening like diamond dust on the, you know, the, in frost hollows and the grass and everything. We'll all have to do it, Pete. So you're out, you're going to take photos today, are you? Yeah, a few photos and go down to Yan Slip Rail near Four Mile Hut that survived the fires. It was built by Tom Yan in, I think, 1933, and it survived the bushfires. It's an old slip rail where the timber and everything. It's really beautiful. All right, Pete. Well, nice, snow. nice to talk to you this morning. Yes, uh, good, good to talk to you. Stay warm, mate. I will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, Macca. Yep. Des, Des, mate, how you going? Des. Yeah. Yes, Des. Des from Bobangari. Yes, Desi. What's happening? Yeah, mate. Mate, uh, we're woodcutters. We just started cutting wood about three weeks ago. All right. And we've got a, got a bit of a cold snap up here in um, Queensland. And we can't keep up. It's just gone mad. Gone mad. Mad. We've been cutting wood since 2 o'clock this morning, ready for deliveries today. And, uh, yeah, we're heading one load now going to Palomar, down on the south side of Brisbane. And, um... Yeah. So, Desi, where do you get your wood from? I'm always interested. Um, There's a lot of things to talk about, Woody, but where, yeah. do, you, where do you get your wood from? Oh, I've got 12 acres at Burton Gary, uh-huh. and uh, I had a, a lot of big trees there, so I was about four foot through, uh-huh. and I had pigs 10 years ago, and they killed all the trees. And then, um, so I've been standing dead for a long time, and I uh, took a, I had a heart attack here about oh, three weeks ago. Went into hospital, and while I was in there with the iPad, I, I seen this um, uh, wood splitter on online so I bought it and now I'm back home and the boys are giving me a hand we're cutting a bit of wood and getting rid of the trees and cleaning them up so that's the way to go with a wood splitter isn't it because it's tough work splitting wood you know and oh mate unbelievable I yeah. couldn't I don't know why I haven't had one years ago yeah it took me 59 years to wake up <laughs> I can't believe it and and isn't it is it you think it's because it's a coal snap or it's just people are sick of paying so much money for electricity prices and they yeah Ah uh, no, definitely the cold snap. Once yeah. the cold snap come this week, and, and you know it's only ten degrees now, uh, they just it just wouldn't stop ringing. I'd put it on the, on a on a local um, area thing just for Facebook, and um, they um, 
they just went mad. The first half an hour had 180 hits. And what sort of what sort of wood is it, Des? Hardwood. Hardwood. Hard, but what sort of wood? You string, know, string, stringy bark string. and um, uh, some of it uh, red red gum, mm-hmm. blood gum. But uh, no, beautiful wood and clean. Like, of course, all the bark's all gone years ago. And, yeah. And the limbwood's some of the best wood you'll ever get. You know, like. And once I or take one load out to them, the next day they ring and you know, bring another load because we're pretty cheap. One hundred and ten uh, for one point two meters. So, one hundred and ten dollars. So pretty cheap. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. So, so, Desi, um, are you planting any more? I mean, I always think about uh, the supply well, of, of, of wood because people used to grow wood for, you know, building or yeah. whatever, but uh, I don't know if people grow it actually for, for timber cutting, but it would well, be a good idea. Yeah, well, what, what I did, as soon as, as soon as I knew it took off like it did, I, because um, I'm, I'm a builder up here too, do steel erection, and um, all, the, all the places getting knocked down, you know, to build sheds and stuff like that are, as soon as I see someone clear and I just pull up and say to them, well, mate, what are you doing with the logs? And they go, oh, I've got to chip them. I said, well, I'll take all the logs free if you deliver them to my yard. He goes, you will? I said, yep. I've had three lots that do that now already, and I've got about 80 tonne, I reckon, in the last week. Wow. Dropped in the backyard ready for next year. So, so you, you, yeah, you're working flat out, mate. I wish I had a trailer. Uh, I'd be up to your place. <laughs> oh, I'd bring, I'll bring it to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Delivery. <laughs> All right, Desi. Oh, well, you need some good people too. Yeah, I'll absolutely see. good people. I met a bloke the other day, and and he was a pensioner, and he he, he came up with his trailer first off, but his trailer broke on the way up, and he said, "Oh, look, you'll have to you'll have to deliver it for me." I said, "Yeah, right. Oh, that's you know ten bucks. I'll charge you to deliver it, and it's about twenty k's." And when I got down there, he goes, "Oh, it's pretty tough. You'd earn a pension and stuff like that." And I said, "Yeah, I know." And <laughs> I said, "How about a hundred dollars for the load?" Well, he nearly kissed me, and I, I it was fantastic. <laughs> when I got home, I told the wife, and she said, why didn't you give him the full load? I said, we would never make any money doing that, <laughs> you know. But no, he's a good old bloke. But there's plenty of them around, Macca. Good good, good people and, yeah, and honest people, you know. Like, And, and you give them a good service and stuff like that. They, they keep coming back. Desi, you, li- you live in Burton, Gary? Yes, do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, it's, it's yep. cold snap everywhere. It was four degrees at my joint this morning. I mean, I know that's not cold when people have got minus two, but, um, yeah, it's cold. It's a cold winter. I'm just about to get into Brisbane here now, and it's 11, 11, just going up to 11. So it's starting to warm up. <laughs> but the, the days are perfect, eh? Absolutely perfect this time of year. Uh, good you on know. you, Des. Great to All talk. Right. You too, Macca. See you, matey. Love your show. See you, mate. Thanks, bye. Bye-bye. Hello, Macca. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tom Cooper here. Macca, how you doing? Good, thanks, Tommy. Yeah, mate, uh, I'm here at Benalbo in the Border Rangers. All right. Yes. Yep. Sun's sun's just coming up, and I'm just uh, getting the cows up the dairy. Ah, uh, I see. This is, yeah. a bit, this is a bit late, isn't it? Do you? Oh, well, what half past six? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Macker, I'm I'm actually retired. I, I, Twelve months ago, I sold the cows to a young fella and leased a farm to him. Yeah. Uh, nice young bloke. Anyway, he'd done twelve months here without a break, and I said, you, "You better bloody grab them kids and your wife and get going for a bit of a holiday." Anyway, he's back. He's back today. So. I've been filling in for him, you know. Yeah, well, you probably miss it a bit too. Oh, not very much on mornings like this. I tell you, Mac, it's pretty nice just to roll over in bed and hear him go past on the bike. <laughs> but, but uh, Mac, you know, like our area isn't in drought, that's for certain, and that. But the drought's having a big impact on the on the costs, you know, like uh, on grain and whatnot. And mm. I just I thought I'd catch up with you. Some of those bosses of the supermarkets, are, you know, they'd be laying back in bed. They probably don't listen to you <laughs> until a fair bit later in the day. But this dollar a litre, mate, it, you know, it came in six years ago. 
uh, at the checkout. They re-regulate the industry. And make it seriously, uh, uh, you know, like we're in this Norco cooperative and they've lost their biggest supplier went into receivership the other day. They've had four or five other farmers just just throw the apron down the ground and walk away, you know. Things are pretty tough, and it's just ridiculous, you know. It's a tough, it's a tough gig, and uh, it, you deserve a better return for your for your work. All, all all people who are producing food, especially dairy farmers and milk, um, Tommy. But um, maybe they're up. Maybe they're up. I don't know. Can you give a Can you give a bit of reminder later? You you, know, you knock off at ten o'clock, but probably about five to ten, they might be opening their eyes, them fellas. <laughs> You might give them a bit of a reminder then about it. Uh, All right, that they, that they need to give that, give it away, so that the price can go up just a bit, so that you know we keep a few of these young farmers, you know, like in the industry. Because uh, I, I've, I'm always finished with it, but you know, they, it, it, it's just eventually sent out inquiries and, and everything, but yeah. nothing's happened, you know. Tommy, uh, what sort of cows it, you got there? It's up to you, Macca. Yeah, it's down to me, eh? What's... It's up to you. Now, there's uh, every colour here but a green one. <laughs> there's jerseys, there's Guernseys, there's uh, Australian reds, Aussie reds, uh, Frisians, uh, there's brindles. Yeah, there's every colour but a green one here. I'll come up one morning uh, and, uh, yeah, help you move them in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, just see if you get one of them supermarket boss to give me a hand and move it in. All right. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you, Tommy. Yeah, see ya. It's all up to you, Macca. Oh, yeah. See ya. Good on you. G'day, this is Macca. Hello, Macca. It's Alan Bush from Cowra speaking. I'm a retired vegetable grower. Uh, you asked earlier about uh, having somebody phone in about growing cabbages. Yes. I used to grow cabbages. Oh, Alan, yes. Yes. Tell me uh, more. Well, I, I used to grow cabbages for Edgell's Cowra Cannery. And uh, they, they made sauerkraut out of it. Uh, we'd grow the cabbages, we'd harvest them, uh, they'd go in, in a tip truck to the cannery and they, uh, they, the outside green leaves were trimmed off, they were put through a shredder and they went into a large wooden vat, about 20 tonnes, a bit of salt was thrown on them and that made sauerkraut. It was in there for about two weeks. And so we grew that uh, uh, through the winter months. Uh, we grew it in the winter months because the cannery was too busy in the summer uh, processing asparagus and tomatoes, and so it was a very cold job. Yeah, I'll bet. Alan, are they a, are they a winter crop, or you can grow them all year round? Well, you can grow them the whole year round, but uh, we grew them through the winter, as I say, because that's when the candy wanted them, and uh, we could grow sweeter cabbages in the winter, and there were less scrubs in the winter. It was too cold for the grubs, <laughs> <laughs> so we we took advantage of that. So we had to had to use very very little chemical. Uh, we used to sow the seed direct into the ground. And, and thin the cabbages, and uh, yes, I, I did that for a few decades. And unfortunately, can't do it anymore uh, for two reasons. First of all, I'm too old, and the cannery, Edgell's Cannery, closed down a few years ago, unfortunately. Oh and so that's the end of that. But uh, cabbage growing was a very big thing in this area. And uh, I, I, some cabbages used to go to the Sydney markets, and, uh, and for a while I grew cabbages for uh, KFC, for Kentucky Fried Chicken people, for their coleslaw. And, uh, is anyone growing cabbages around Cowra now? I mean, do they, does that happen? Or Yes, yes. Uh, there are some people grow cabbages, uh, and, but uh, obviously not for the cannery, and they send them into Sydney, and they grow cabbages and cauliflowers and broccoli. Uh, it's quite a good area here. We're, we've got rich river flats on the Lachlan River. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great spot to grow vegetables, and 
I feel really out of it now. I'm retired. I live in an old people's home now. And just think about growing vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful... It's a wonderful... Uh, no, I wouldn't say lifestyle. I was going to say lifestyle. It's not a wonderful lifestyle, especially in the middle, middle of uh, winter. Um, she'd be cold and cower this morning, I reckon. Uh, yes, yes. Well, She'd be minus. It'd uh, be minus, yes. When we grew the cabbages, they used to be frozen. And we'd throw them in. And they couldn't process them that day. They had to leave them for a day to thaw out. Uh, that, uh, wow. that they would do the... Yes, yes, but uh, yeah, cabbages were a big thing. You need to be used by some young bloke to get into growing and you can... All your expertise, just like I was talking to Nev Richards, who said uh, he's got all that... Ex- they, you, have, you have all that expertise about growing things and it's, yes. it's priceless, Alan. Well, well, it is. That's right. Um, when I first started, I started growing in the 1950s and uh, yeah, things were quite different then. Uh, a, a grower could just uh, start off with, uh, with just a little Ferguson tractor and, and harvest vegetables by hand. But uh, nowadays, uh, well, especially in tomatoes, we'd have a tomato harvester. It would cost millions of dollars to, yeah. to have all the equipment now. But, and cabbages uh, have sort of gone out of, well, I don't know if they have, I mean... Uh, I've started eating cabbage again. We used to have it when we were kids, I suppose, because it was cheap. And you, my mum was a very good shopper, and you know she'd always try and save money because, like many Australians, we were paying off a house. So um, when if you could save money on, you know, you'd buy cheaper things, and and cabbage was uh, all the rage. But it's been it seems to have been supplanted a bit now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not as popular as it used to be, mate. Uh, well, uh, when we started growing cabbages, nobody knew what broccoli was. Yeah. Uh, and, and we grew broccoli, and we grew that for the Bathurst cannery. And yeah. uh, they didn't can that, they froze that. But when I first grew broccoli, uh, people said, they're the things like little cabbages. I said, no, no, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's Brussels sprouts. This is yeah. broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> they're like little green uh, cauliflowers. Yes, so you, you get a change, yeah. um, different types of vegetables. All right, Alan. Nice to talk to you, okay, mate. I'm eating, I'm eating cabbage. Um, good and, on you. And uh, and uh, Brussels sprouts too. I love them. Uh, do, do, do you good? Good on See you. Mate. See you later. See you, yep. mate. Bye. G'day. This is Macca. Oh, Macca, it's Judy. Hi. I'm, um, uh, hi, Macca. I've spoken to you before about Desert Song Festival, but um, got some exciting news today. We've got um, the Central Australian Aboriginal Women's Choir. There's 25 of them with and three men involved as well. And we're at Sydney Airport, just about ready to take off by invitation to Washington to sing in the um, Serenade uh, DC Choral Festival. Uh, and then we're on to New York for a little bit of a uh, show of the songkeepers. Uh, and, um, yeah, the women are so excited. They're uh, from six remote communities. I'm, um, I'm excited yeah. too, Judy, and I'm stuck here. I wish I was out at the airport with you, <laughs> heading to... Yeah. How good would that be, Jude? Yeah. What's your yeah. story, Judy? Uh, I'm um, Morris, uh, Morris Stewart, the choir conductor. He's a choir master who's got these um, women from these six different Aboriginal communities, and they all send in Western um, Pigeon Jarra. Yeah. They sing in Pigeon Jarra, and um, so they have other languages and that they all sing that. And we're trying to get them together now to just do a little. Bit of a song for you. Oh, that would be. <laughs> yeah, we've lost the choir master, so we're just getting someone else. Well, that's right. You keep talking while. Um, put okay. A, put a call out. You know, they like they do on the airport. Could, uh, yeah, passenger so and so, please come to the inquiry <laughs> desk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're getting there. We're just about there. So um, they are so excited. They went to Germany about three years ago, 
and now they're um, yeah, off to Washington, which is a massive trip for them. So they're all ages and uh, they're just getting ready now to um, sing. But, um, yeah, this is such a great thing to take to the United States oh. so they can see the heritage. and Taking, just, a, taking Australia <laughs> to the world. Yes, taking Australia to the world. Oh, here, here we come, so. All right. So what's the, what's the musical director's name, Jude? Uh, the musical director is Morris Stewart. He was on Australian Story a few weeks back. All right. And, um, yeah, we're, um, this so, is, uh, Morris has been working with these women for about, uh, how many years? Six. Yeah, but it goes back to the old um, Hermannsburg original original choir way back when the missionaries came over and translated all the um, the hymns into... Um, Pitch it and Jarrah. Pitch and Jarrah, yeah. Language. Pitch and Jarrah. It's a wonderful story. If people can get to see the um, Songkeeper's uh, movie, um, that would be good. But here we go. We're going to put you on speaker now. All right. Okay. We should all be at Sydney Airport this morning, Jude. Yeah, Just, okay. okay. I'll put you on here we go. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, live from Sydney Airport. Ain't it wonderful? They are Australia. We'll listen to this. Are you still one they hear or? Oh, it's fine. Just keep going, Jude. You're talking in the background. It's fantastic. Do you want them to keep going? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is live at Sydney Airport. Judy, you ring, will you ring us from Washington or from New York? Yeah, sure. If I could get the time frame right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and sure. they're called the Central Australian Aboriginal Choir. And they're how many women's ladies? Choir, women's Choir. There's 25 women and three men. Judy, you have a great... They, they must be so excited. I'm excited just yeah, thinking about that. Are. We should all be at the Sydney Airport this morning. 
Okay, now you can hear the yeah, applause. It's just beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, I just done a concert in Melbourne, Hamer Hall, and then the Opera House on Friday night. So yeah, it's a great thing. It's a lovely thing, Judy. You keep in touch. Um, yeah, and, I'll do. And uh, get, send us a photo if you've, if you've got one. And good on you, Maka. Thanks for listening to Thank us. Thank you. Bye. Okay. See you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. I love my little house in this sleepy country town She's living on an island, they're sailing right around It's our home among the gum trees And if you've got the time, I'll tell you why I live where I live That's a story I'll tell you why I live And this is Scotty Scotty Peppin says, Macca, we, like many thousands of Australians, live permanently or part-time overseas. In all sorts of varied circumstances, ours is with a twist. Aboard a 1934 gentleman's, and you'll have to forgive me for some of these words, they're rippers, coffre deck salon cruiser named Phoenix. So they're on a boat, right? I write to you from the European cultural capital for 2018, Leuwarden, Friesland, the Netherlands. Says Scotty. It starts like this. In 1934, Albert Velsink of Leuwarden, Friesland, designed the Coffer de Salon Cruiser Phoenix on behalf of the founder of the Phoenix Bicycle Company, Mr Albert Schutstra. Velsink, a drawing teacher by profession, had drawn several boats, including his own craft, Stephanie. Due to the lavish and somewhat modern design of Velsink, Schutstra decided not to have the boat built in Leuwarden, but opted for her to be built by the reputable shipbuilders, the Van der Werf brothers, from Sneak. In 1935, you're still with me? The Van der Werf shipbuilding business and family had its origins in Drachten and had been building ships of all descriptions since 1729. This boat was a modern-day early design of the first trunk cruiser, a double-cabin cruiser, with much attention paid to an expensive interior. The construction of the wheelhouse was from Moulamin Teak, the interior Honduras mahogany. As described at the time, the best of the best. The leading design included a 150-litre water tank, kitchen, toilet and large wardrobe. It had two spacious sleeping cabins and an afterdeck surrounded by a railing where several wicker chairs can easily be placed for relaxation. Doesn't it sound just nice? I sometimes think people write and just make us all jealous here, stuck where we are. <laughs> anyway, the letter goes on with about name changes and during the war, in 1941, on the third valiant attempt by Albert Schuster to disguise and hide the phoenix because it was during the war, then known as the Elma, in overgrown reeds and secluded canals, the Germans demanded that Schutstra give her up. He had so far frustrated the local command twice and there wasn't going to be a third time. Phoenix's commandeering to the Third Reich meant that she spent the remainder of World War II patrolling the waters of Friesland, that's northern Holland, repainted in German colours and a heavy machine gun was mounted on a foredeck. Since 1989, Phoenix has changed ownership twice, finally settling with my partner and I earlier last year. This is Scotty and Lita are writing this. Why would you say an Australian who doesn't speak Dutch buy a 1934 Koffer Dek cruiser in the Netherlands? The answer is relatively simple. Whether it's being Phoenix's visually pleasing fine lines, her intrinsic character or her intriguing past, it was an irresistible purchase. To be able to spend several months a year on the waterways of Europe is a dream. Some travel the top end by caravan and four-wheel drive. Some cruise the deep seas. But for us, every day presents a chocolate box scene that's hard to rival. 
So as I sit here this Saturday night stroke Sunday morning listening to you moored at Prince's Park Centrum Leuwarden after having spent the last six weeks or so cruising the canals, rivers and waterways of the beautiful Netherlands, we have brought Phoenix home to where it all started. The old Phoenix bicycle factory run by Albert and his sons still stands on Zwiedergrachtval, Zwiedergrachtval, I think that's right, albeit a block of flats now. But the name on the fascia is still legible to those who care and want to remember. Whilst the name Schutstra and Phoenix Bicycles have been assigned to the history books of Louvarden. Phoenix is the start of our dream of being able to live where we live. Totzins, Lita and Scott at Louvarden. Chillin' in the wicker chairs. <laughs> How good's this? And quickly from D-Lane, D says, Mac, I love the show. After living in the gum trees... Life threw a curveball to me, homeless and living with my sister in Brisbane for a year. Here I am, back among the gum trees, on Bribie Island, in a housing commission unit, and this is my backyard. If you'd like to write to Why I Live, I Live, Post Office Box 9994 Sydney 2001, or you can text us, or you can email me, macatracks at gmail.com. And that's Why I Live, I Live for this week. G'day, Macca. It's Martin calling from Hobart. Hi, Martin. Um, yeah, Macca, I was listening to the song a little while ago. I love your show, by the way. Thank you. Uh, about technology. All right. And uh, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for 30 years, and I was thinking back to when I first started. Um, you know, there were no computers. So we used chalk and a blackboard. There was no photocopier. You'd run off some sheets on a, a spirit duplicator, and if uh, they were fresh, the, the boys <clears throat> would always be putting them up to their noses to smell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that occurred to me um, listening to the song is that we don't hear young people whistling anymore. No, no. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking about school. You know, all schools have their, you know, their house colours and their house points and their teams. And I was thinking about maybe putting it to the powers that be that we might, we might uh, introduce a, a whistling competition. That would be a good idea. That's a very good idea, Martin. I think, and you can get them to ring up here and whistle for us. You yeah, well, that? I was thinking, you know, the longest, the most tuneful, maybe the loudest. Because it's it's a I like to whistle, but I'm not a good whistler. And when you hear um, if you ever used to see that old the old Andy Griffith show with uh, Opie Ronnie Howard, who's who went on to be a great director and he's directed all those mighty films. But he was the little boy in in the Andy Griffith show called Opie, yeah. and, and Andy Griffith. And at the start of the thing, and I'll try and whistle, but I'm not a good whistler. And it used to go, and this bloke whistled. And when you whistle well, it's you've got a vibe like a good singer. There's a great vibrato, and and the um, the theme of uh, the Andy Griffiths show went like this. Um, I tried to wet me lips. <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's the one. But and, re- whistle and, it really well. It's great, you know. Yeah, but uh, I had, I've got four uh, grown-up children now, and I had one um, of my sons. You could always tell when he was in a good mood because he'd whistle. And he liked, <laughs> yeah, he liked to whistle in the shower mostly, but if I heard, heard him whistling in the shower, I knew it was going to be a good start to the day. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing, and it, and it just sounds happy. All the blokes, all the builders on the building side always used to whistle, didn't they? Exactly right. But yep. So that's that's going to be my um, my task for this week is to see if we can prom- promote a whistling competition at a local school down here in Hobart. All right, and we we, sh- we might do that here as well, and people can ring up if they can whistle, uh, get some kids whistle. The other thing, Martin, uh, that I it's, uh, be in my bonnet is is Wattle Day. I think Wattle Day because Wattle Day and Wattle is such an integral part of what Australians have done over the years. Wattle bark, they made huts, um, the wattle. Soldiers overseas, 
all part of our thing. William Dean went to the went over um, when those kids were tragically killed in Switzerland in the ravine where the whatever happened, they sprinkled wattle blossom. Wattle has just been a great part, and you can read all about the history of Australia and wattle. So I think a wattle day is a wonderful thing. We have a national wattle day on the first of September, but you can celebrate it at any time around then when wattle's out at your school. And I think it's great for kids. And if you look at the history of it, you've got wattle queens, and and you can have a little play and just you know what kids are like. They love to do stuff like that. You know, and go and imagine getting saying, oh come on. We're going to go and pick wattle today and do that and bring it back and read a poem. There's a million songs about wattle. I mean, I just think they're missing an opportunity. Oh, I agree. Maybe we could combine the two. <laughs> we could whistle the wattle song. Oh, <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we could. Yeah, as we're collecting the wattle. Martin, is it snowing in Hobart? Tell me something exciting. It's totally something exciting. Well, Dark Mofo down here finishes uh, tonight. They're burning a giant spider, if that's exciting. Oh, dear. Poor little thing. Well, it's not a real one. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's overcast. You can't see the mountain. Uh, a little bit of uh, rain, light rain, probably later today. There have been a few sprinkles this morning. It's about 13 degrees. Yeah. But we've had just the biggest influx of people for the Dark Mofo dark, Festival. Dark it's Mofo. absolutely it's absolutely transformed um, the winter scene down here in Hobart. It's been, yeah, fantastic. It's actually a cup of tea. Keep in touch, Martin, with your whistling, and we'll see what happens, <laughs> and we'll get, we'll get the nation whistling. We'll whistle. <laughs> thanks, that's thanks the, Mac. That's I, was the so, so, I was so nervous about ringing in. I listen no. to your show, but I'm not one for the phone much. Oh, you're, um, well, well, you're a right. teacher. You're a teacher I, in I charge. Know, okay. You're in I'm show okay. business, mate. It's <laughs> I'm, so... okay. I'm okay in front of kids. It's a bit different when you're on the radio. Oh, no, it's not. See, it's just exactly the same. Good on you, Martin. Cheers. See ya. Uh, I'm Lynn. Hi, and this is the first... This is the first time I've listened to your show. All right. I'm um, driving from Brisbane to Harvey Bay for, uh, just for the day, uh-huh. and I got in the car this morning and thought, uh, I don't particularly just want to listen to music. I'm, so I flicked through until I found your show, and I've enjoyed every minute. Oh, that's good. Um, I was just going to say, I'm also a school teacher. It seems to be a theme for today. <laughs> and um, I've also got five children and 12 grandchildren. And one thing that I've noticed about today's generation is that they just aren't using their imagination. They don't know how to play on their own. And um, I heard a, a thing on the radio the other day, and they were saying the best thing you can do to your kids these holidays is let them get bored. Because when children are bored, they use their imagination, and they learn to think outside the box and become problem solvers. Whereas most kids today, as soon as they're bored, they get handed an iPad or a game controller or and sit inside. So I just thought that was worthwhile passing on. I think it is, Lynn. It's, uh, but uh, try the thing is to try and pass that on to parents, I suppose, isn't it? Because. Um, whether they're at a restaurant or wherever, they seem to give kids a, a little phone to play with or something, or you bung them down in front of TV. I suppose that's the other thing, but yes. Um, and that's what's made humankind survive, isn't it? Imagination and thinking of ways to problem solve. And you won't do that if you're watching something or being entertained by something else that somebody else has done. Absolutely. I told um, one of my daughters, she's got three little girls, and I told her that yesterday. I said, they let them get bored over the holidays and they'll start making mud pies and climbing mulberry trees like she used to do. Uh, and she said, oh, that's right, the mud pies, they were fantastic. <laughs> and the, you kids just don't do it anymore. So, yeah, I think 
you know, you're right, it's up to the parents to um, make the kids yeah. bored and, and come up with some of their own games and stuff. And, and le- learn to whistle. How about that? Would, how about how good is whistling? I love it. Yeah, I, I can't do it very well. No, me neither, but I try. Uh, Lenny, where are you? Where are you? Where do you teach at? I teach in Brisbane at Ascot. Oh, at Ascot, right? Yeah. Well, keep up the good work. Love teachers. You sound like a good one. Nice to know Thanks. you're listening. Stay listening. Thanks for a great show. Good Thank on you. you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.